Christopher. I, I did you know that you're listening to Shit Pick right now? The hottest podcast on this side of the Mississippi. Oh, welcome everyone <laughs> to Shit Pick Podcast, uh, a podcast where we go back in time and read our old shitty writing. But who is we? Uh, well, I'm Michael. Hi, Michael. Who are you? I, I, I'm just a boy by the name of Christopher Beale. Um, but yeah, so we have kind of switched it up throughout the podcast, uh, but we're going to go back to our format of episode one. We're going to read one of my scripts and one of Chris's scripts. Uh, so this is a, a double trouble episode right here. Uh, and we're going to start off with one of mine. Um, do you have so any questions before oh. we begin? Oh. <laughs> I was going to do the. I was going to do yeah, my yeah, signature. Do, do your thing. I was going to do my signature. Do your thing. Let's get... Uh, wait, no, let's try again. Okay. Let's get into some shit fuck. So, right, tell what is this? Yeah, so this is called date night. However, it's a pun because it's date K N I G H T. This is a film that I did actually make and submitted to uh, the Indiana State Thespian Conference. And when I showed it and the title popped up on screen, everyone was like, "You spelled night wrong." And uh, I'm like, "No, I didn't." It's it's, a, it's called a pun, yeah, <laughs> ignorant. Bitch. It was it was really a weird moment. Uh, but anyway, so Date Night was a script that I wrote as a senior in high school. And if you've listened to any of our previous episodes, you know how I write scripts. And that's, I wrote it in about a day. <laughs> it was one of those things where I wrote it in a day. No peer reviews, no editing. I was just like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And, uh, uh, I, I, I do have a question, though. Yeah. Have you ever uh, written a script that wasn't produced? <laughs> Has there been one goddamn script <laughs> where it wasn't performed or filmed? Because uh, goddamn it! <laughs> not really. Usually when I write something, I write it with the intention of like, all right, I, like, I usually get the group together beforehand. Like, mm. hey, we're all going to make a thing. So we're good to go. Now I'm going to write it. I don't usually write before I know it's going to be made. Um, but yeah, a little bit of history of date night here. Date night. I wrote it uh, because I wanted to submit a film to the uh, Indiana State Thespian Conference. Um, Lesbian contest. Love exactly, it. exactly. And <laughs> the, the Thespian Conference, uh, as the name suggests, is actually more of a theater conference. And I ended up getting a ribbon. So that was nice. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, like again, that's just like a brief history. There's not really not uh, too much in depth with this script. It was literally made so I could made it, submit it to a festival. Like <laughs> there wasn't any passion really put into it. There wasn't any any love. It was just like I want to make a silly thing and hopefully I make people laugh. We're just gonna yeah. yeah. Hey, so that's that's some brightness in the world. Yeah. So any other questions before we begin? Or um. No, I, don't, I think I've I think I've got the I think I've got the gist. Good. I think so. Alright. I'm a goddamn narrator. Alright. Day tonight <laughs> by Patrick Michael Patrick M. P. Davis. That's my stage name. <laughs> Opens with shots of Ford playing video games. He is in his family room. In front of him is a coffee table covered with chips and empty soda cans. Door knock. Ford. Don't Vanessa! Don't, don't you dare point a finger at me. 
let me do a recap. This is going to be a five-minute recap of what happened. So I was reading the descriptions. I was reading the descriptions. And I took a second. I took just a second before reading the character name. And he pointed with this face. With this face. <laughs> this face of you little fucker. You little dumb motherfucker. Okay. You want to say the character's name again? All right, well, let's start from the beginning. Oh, God, okay. This opens with shots of Ford playing video games. He is in his family room. In front of him is a coffee table covered with chips and empty soda cans. Door knock. Ford, shouting off. Vanessa! Vanessa! Is this the same Vanessa from... No, very different. I just really like the name Vanessa, so... <laughs> The name Vanessa shows up in a lot of my scripts. This is straight Vanessa, maybe. I don't know. Yes, you, this is straight Vanessa. All right, good. <laughs> well, not good, but I never bite. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. If you're straight, you're not good. You're not good. Not good. You know what? I can Fix to that. that. <laughs> Fix that if you don't mind. <laughs> Nobody's perfect, folks. It's okay if you're straight. <laughs> More knocking. Ford. Vanessa, someone's at the door. No response. Ugh, fine. I'll get it. Ford pauses his game and goes to open the door to find Brad standing outside. Brad. Hello there. Ford. Calm evil. <laughs> ah, what? you must be Brad. Come in. My sister is still getting ready for your date. Brad. He enters. Thank you. You must be... Ford. Interrupts. Ford. Brad. Like the cars. Ford. <laughs> no. <laughs> that is actually a good shit. No! <laughs> Brad. Uh, um, okay. So, how much longer do you think Vanessa will be? Ford. Getting more evil. Less calm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. Why do you ask? Brad, is your reservation at Chumbo's coming up? Are you running late? Did you not prepare properly? Chumbo's? <laughs> I made it up. Chumbo's is... I thought it was a funny name for a restaurant, so I was well, like, what, what, is, what, is their, what is their cuisine at Chumbo's? I'm going to guess uh, chorizo. Uh, just chorizo. <laughs> just chorizo, that's it. The, the delicacy. <laughs> you can get the chorizo... And that's it. That's about it. Brad. What? No, I was just curious. Ford. Turning away from Brad. You know, Brad, it takes a very special kind of guy to date my sister. What makes you believe you're the one? Brad. Well, I'd like to think. Ford, interrupting. You'd like to think. We all like to think. Brad, we're not brain dead. Brand. What? Yes, it does say brand. Brand. Branded. <laughs> when you don't get your brand. We're not brain dead. What makes you so special? <laughs> Brad. Look, buddy. Ford. I'm not your buddy, Brad. Switches into a deep voice. Don't play games with me. Brad, flustered. I, look, I, I love your sister. Isn't that enough? What? This is their first date? And no, it's not their first date. It's not? No, he's just picking her up. It would make more sense if it was her. If it was their first date, 
Because then Ford would like yeah, like it would make should, sense. He should have. He should know him by now, right? right? Yeah, you're right. It would make sense that it was their first date. Because uh, Ford, the idea is that Ford is vetting him, you know? Yeah, I see. Uh, it's but, the protective older brother. But again, I, actually, Ford is the younger brother. Oh, uh, but, that's important. Right. Ever, did you get that? <laughs> Everyone, did you get that? That's an important plot detail. Um, but, he is the younger brother. Ford. <laughs> Ford. I have to clear my throat. <clears throat> Ford. Ford. Is Ford. It, Ford. Isn't, Ford. <laughs> isn't that enough? laughs and turns away once again then turns back with a glass of milk oh shut up would you like some <laughs> milk brad is this supposed to be clockwork orange um i you it's not but i'm gonna guess the milk came from clockwork orange because at this time in my life like i had just finished reading a clockwork orange i'd seen the movie earlier and i i loved it or either that or i was just like milk is a funny word and a funny drink so Okay, Brad. What? Where did you get that? Close up of Brad's face as he says this. Ford slowly creeps into frame to whisper into Brad's ear. Ford. The bridge. Brad, jumping away from Ford. Whoa, how did you get there? Ford. Drink the milk, Brad. Brad. Oh. <laughs> Brad. I don't want the milk. Ford. Drink it. Brad. No. Ford, deep voice. Drink the milk. Where is this going? <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Brad. No. Brad hits the milk out of Ford's hand and it spills on the carpet. Ford. Oh, look, Brad. You've gone and made a mess. Brad. That wasn't my fault. If you weren't. Ford. You hit the milk. Brad. Brad. But. Ford. Vanessa isn't going to like this mess. I just... Yeah, where are we going? Like, I, I, I got where we were going in the beginning. I was like, oh, it's you know, it's the younger brother razzing the date, and now it's just like this weird milk clockwork orange psychedelic horror fest. Right? <laughs> Believe me, I should have had someone read this script. How I got an honorable mention ribbon is beyond me. <laughs> Um, and it, it kind of ties together at the end, you'll see, but not really. <laughs> Vanessa is a dairy farmer. <laughs> that's the... <laughs> that's the end of it. <laughs> Brad. Well, um, let's clean this up before Vanessa gets out. Here, uh, where are the towels? Ford pulls a towel out of nowhere. Right here, Brad. Brad. How do you keep doing that? It, you know what? It doesn't matter. Give it to me. How Ford, be can magic. Just, how Ford can just pull things out of thin air, yeah. Ford. Oh, I will, Brad. Right after you tell me why you are so special. Brad. Damn it, kid. Now is not the time. It's just, I, anybody who says kid that isn't like 50 years old <laughs> odds me out. I just think it's a good, like, damn it, kid. Like, damn I, it, kid. I think it just sounds good. I still, even now, I'm like... Yeah, damn it, kid. Is uh, that anytime uh, anyone says that, that's a good line. That line fucks. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. That line fucks. Just, damn it, kid. That line fucks. Ford. Then when is the time, Brad? Hmm. Take your towel. Ford throws Brad the towel. It won't matter. After today, I'll never see you again. You are weak, Brad. Just like all of the others. I will drive you out. 
I will break you just like I've done to every other man that's tried to date my sister. You are nothing, and that's all you will ever be, Brad. Brad clenches his fist and tries to control his rage. <laughs> he stops cleaning up spilled milk and marches to Ford. Brad. Now you listen to me, Ford. I am far more than nothing, and I will not be going anywhere. I love your sister, and nothing's going to change that. You can play your little games all you want, but you won't get rid of me. I am here to stay. You've never faced a man like me before. No matter what you throw at me, I will overcome it, because your sister means the world to me. I will make sure this relationship lasts. Ford. Ford slowly claps. Right? He just needed Brad to do a monologue. That's you all know, he needed. That's all we all we needed. Right? All we all. Uh, but yeah, actually, what's funny though is this is something that bog, bogs me. Uh, it bogs you down. <laughs> it's something that bothers me in actually a lot of professionally done films uh, and plays where like the whole thing is solved by one character giving a monologue. You know, honestly, to be frank, you know, I, I, I agree, fully agree, fully agree. I, I, in my writing, I love a good monologue, and I hate that I used to love a good monologue. Right. Because, you know, you just like, oh, we just need this character to stand in the middle of the goddamn stage mm -hmm. and speak, and it's bullshit. Right? And it's the, it's the same thing in movies and TV shows as well, where, like, uh, a lot of I feel like a lot of romantic comedies um, or like dramas or anything they end with like the main character being like, "This is my monologue. This is why you all were wrong and I was right." And then everyone like applauds and you're like, "This this didn't solve anything. You just like just... you gave a monologue. Are you telling me the whole movie could have been solved if you just spoke your mind? Because if so, it's not a very interesting premise. But it happens a lot." Maybe bully play. That's what bully play needed. <laughs> right. It's Maybe. a monologue. Yeah. It's just one of those things where I put it in this script, but it's something that I hate. <laughs> Was this supposed to be like commentary on that? No, not at all. <laughs> Believe me. This is supposed to be commentary on nothing. It's supposed to be a <laughs> dumb, silly movie that the goal, the goal and purpose of it was to make people laugh. <laughs> Did it work? Yeah. Ford. Well done, Brad. Well done. You've found what makes you special. Shot of Brad's face looking confused. Enter Vanessa. Vanessa. Hey, Brad. Sorry I took so long getting ready. I got off work late. Brad. That's, um, that's fine. Vanessa. Oh, I see you've met my little brother. So, Ford, what do you think of your big sister's boyfriend? Ford. He's acceptable. Vanessa. Wow. You must be something special, Brad. I don't think Ford's liked any of my previous boyfriends. Well, come on, let's go. We don't want to be late for our reservation. Vanessa starts to walk to the door. Brad follows and makes eye contact with Ford. Brad. Yeah, we wouldn't want that. Because hmm? she said we don't want to be late for our reservation. We just took a long time to get to that line. I don't get it. <laughs> I'm confused. Vanessa says, well, come on, let's go. We don't want to be late for our reservation. And it's At commenting on how... It's no comment. There's no commenting on anything. <laughs> What's the joke? Brad and Ford stare at each other for a bit. Finally, Brad walks out and shuts the door. Ford smiles. End of film. That's it. That's I end. still don't get the joke. What's it's the, not a joke. It's not? The end of this is not a joke. The but end. it said that we're, he's already leaving with the woman. Yeah, that's not a joke. That's just the end. Well, it could have ended on a joke, but it didn't. It was supposed to end on like a, a note of like, ah. Oh, 
all right, Ford approves of Brad. The end. Like, that's that's the whole thing. That's a great joke. <laughs> it's not a joke! <laughs> that's a fantastic uh, joke. Uh, I mean, the whole thing, I guess, is just one big joke because it's so bad. <laughs> all right, critique yeah. time. What you, you think? What you think, buddy? I actually, I don't, I don't hate it fully. That's been your response to like half of my things. <laughs> my my body is not filled with hatred for this, and mm-hmm. that's great. Um, I think like it's it's a decent premise, you know. Like I mean, it's not necessarily new, you know. The the brother of the the sister who's being dated by some person. Why did I say it like that? <laughs> you just like said it in the most complicated way possible. Brother of the sister of the date of. <laughs> It's nothing new. And, like, I think there's some, like, you know, there's some good absurdist comedy. I wish it, like, it. I wish there was, like, a better ramp up. Yeah. Because it just sort of, like, you know, he walks in and, like, you know, all of a sudden, Ford has gone from zero to 100. Oh, and stays yeah. at 100 for the rest of the script. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But any other thoughts from you on it? Um, you know, I don't like straight Vanessa. Just kidding. Straight Vanessa's fine. She's fine. I mean, you can tell, though, that straight Vanessa is far more boring than bi Vanessa, because Mm -hmm. she has, straight Vanessa has, like, two lines in this. Exactly. Bi Vanessa was, like, the whole entirety of my last script. (laughs) But what was, uh, you were, like, there was something about the dairy, and you're like, it makes sense at the end. Oh, uh, the dairy itself doesn't make sense. Ford, like, challenging Brad is what makes sense. Oh. Yeah, oh. uh, like him pulling out the milk and doing all that is literally just him being like, "Here's a test. Let's see. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it so you spill milk. You're gonna freak out and like storm out." Is kind of his plan. Um, Wait, what? You're, look, you're gonna spill milk and you're gonna be like, "Well, there's milk on the floor now. I can't." Well, do get, this. the idea is that because Brad spilled the milk. He's then, like, freaking out, getting anxiety, like, oh, no, Vanessa's not going to like this. And Ford is like, Vanessa won't like this, um, heightening Brad's anxiety. And then Brad's like, I can't handle this. I got to go. And that's kind of Ford's master plan. That's some deep psychological implications. Ford is a 12-year-old, 13-year-old kid. His master plan's not great, but I guess it's worked in the past. I guess so. Um, He also is magic and can pull milk and towels out of thin air. I think that's the more impressive thing about Ford. It's Um, also weird that he's just sort of... Brad just gets over it. Brad takes one second. He's like, oh, wow, you are pulling objects out of thin air. Yep. Well, anyway, stop being a meanie to me. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't mind. Well, it's one of those things where, like, you know, I, I'm a big fan of... Uh, there's a lot of, like, the old school Cartoon Network shows. And a lot of gags in those shows where, like, characters just pulling things out of nowhere. You know, the classic Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny pulls a hammer from behind his back, you know? I see. Um, and I'm a really big fan of that gag. Um, this yeah. is a richly inspired... There's deep inspiration here. There's Looney Tunes. There's Clockwork Orange. <laughs> there's just there's, everything in this. There's the Bible. <laughs> Brad is a stand-in for Jesus. <laughs> this is all an allegory, y'all. Ford is Satan. Uh, <laughs> Vanessa is Mother Mary. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think it's not bad. I mean, I think you could you could make it good. Nice. You can make it happen. Shit fix or the shit. <laughs> Is this you have to say to me? Is hey this, Chris! Hey Chris! Is this shit thick or is this the shit? This is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> 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 
All right. Oh. So now we're, we're moving on to Chris's script. How, right. how Sterling got to where he is. Working title. <laughs> now ask me questions. So ask me uh, questions. So how Sterling got to where he is. Uh, give me, give me the background. Where, where were you at in life? How old were you? What, what inspired this? Give me, give me the rundown. Hello, yes, it's me, Chris. Nice to introduce myself. Hi. So I was in high school. Most of my plays were written in high school, mm-hmm. um, because as aforementioned, theater was life. And I, this is one of those where, like, I cannot remember what inspired it. So this is a great intro. <laughs> great intro to the script. I mean, it's better than mine. My intros are always just like, I wanted to be funny, so I wrote a thing. Like, that's the background of, like, 90% of my things. And I got it produced, and people liked it. <laughs> I got a ribbon. I got a ribbon for it. <laughs> I've never gotten a ribbon. But anyways, so it was in high school. I think I was probably watched Indiana Jones for the first time. And I wanted to make, like, kind of, like, a parody of it, mm-hmm. in a way, sort of. I mean, it's it's not really, <laughs> it's not very close at all, but, like, it's like an adventure kind of thing. Gotcha. How Sterling Got to Where He Is by Christopher Beale. Characters. Sterling Rubino, male, 60, one of the most well-known adventurers, narrates how he got to where he is. That tracks. That's the name of the show. <laughs> Young Sterling, male, 12. Uh, Wendy Hopper, female, 15. Little Thing, Sterling's most faithful servant. That's a little sexist. Like, faith, like faithful friend would be great. Faithful servant. servant. Or faithful companion, well, I even. Think, I think he pays her, maybe. How about, I think like, they're also friends, but... All right, Daphne Hopper. Female, 11, younger sister of Wendy, tells her not to be Sir Sterling's sidekick. All right, Daphne's our feminist icon. <laughs> Giorgio Krakow, male, 45, classic Russian-esque villain. Classic. classic. Florent Le Bonbon, uh, male, 27, evil Frenchman, brother to Florence, weird incestual what is <laughs> so many of your <laughs> oh sorry that was florent la bonbon now florence la bonbon is female 28 evil french lady sister to florent weirdly incestual leon the fron male 35 a notorious good guy i like that he's a notorious good guy <laughs> what, is, what, is, what, is what that? an oxymoron what, what is a notorious i'm notoriously good to people i'm notoriously for <laughs> donating to charities really vapid and self-obsessed inspector constantine male slash female could be played by either gender works either way uh, even genderless. It doesn't really matter. Inspector Constantine, anyone. Mm-hmm. 52, hard-boiled cap. Kurdish schnapp. Male, 48, random tourist that got involved. Can't even. That's in there. Can't, <laughs> can't even. even. That's her whole entire personality. His, Curtis. Oh, male. Curtis can't even. Yeah, Charlotte Schnapp is the female, 45, random tourist the that female. got. <laughs> the she female. is the female. <laughs> random tourist. She is Mother Almighty. <laughs> <laughs> random tourist that got involved. Super empathetic. Linda, female, 68. She's a hot dog seller. Nothing more, nothing, nothing less. less. Jules d'Avant. Male slash female, 21, pretentious artist, villain, just the worst. 
Noise, male slash female, henchman to jewels. Wire, male slash female, henchman to jewels. Thug one, male slash female, <laughs> paid thug, constantly switching sides. Thug two, male slash female, paid thug, constantly switching sides. I'm glad I included character <laughs> descriptions for thug one and thug two. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, let's read bits plus pieces. <laughs> Why does it say that? I think I didn't write the entire opening monologue. <laughs> Or the, I don't think I even wrote, like, like in full, like, sequential, sequential, sequential. Sequential. I think I literally just, like. Sequential. I wrote, like, the parts that I was like, oh, this seems like a fun scene. I'll write this. And then. Sydney's writing, you did not write a single scene. (laughs) (laughs) You did not write a single goddamn scene. Just to let you know. <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm in tears. I'm laughing oh so hard. Oh, um, thank you for choosing this with me. <laughs> thank, thank you for choosing this. Thank you, Chris, for writing this. <laughs> Just, so you're going to have, there's going to be a lot of uh, filling in <laughs> blank spaces. So, uh, um, all right. How Sterling got to where he is. How Sterling. Sterling opening. Wait, I gotta get an accent. Hello? No. <laughs> it was a British. It was not British. Um, oh. Hello. <laughs> okay. Give me, give me an accent. Give me an accent. You got British. Go with it. Roll okay. with it. Do it. Oh no. Just don't do an accent. Okay. <laughs> We're trying it again. Maybe I'll do it as a uh, Moira Rose. Hello, Star audience. No, never mind. Just do it as Harrison Ford. Do your best Harrison Ford impression. Because Sterling is Indiana Jones. Yeah, does he have a voice? <laughs> I mean, he has a voice. Not really. He has a, a standard American accent. Oh, it's, it's like graggly. It's like, hello, fair audiences. Welcome to my he's kind of, like, you know. He's kind of like flamboyant, though, Sterling. Did you not get that from the character description? Not at all. <laughs> um, all right, well, then you just be Sterling because you're flamboyant. So you are Sterling. Blink, blink. You blink, know blink. you are. <laughs> what? I am a heterosexual, straight-passing man. <laughs> I am so mask. <laughs> I don't understand why I am being discriminated against <laughs> on my own goddamn podcast. Okay. Sterling opening. Hello, fair audience. Welcome to my presentation of sorts. So anyway, I didn't explain the concept. Yeah, give me a summary of what's, what we're about to read. Okay, so the, 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 it's a play in a play again. No. Yes, yes. No, yes. It is actually. It's, it's the older uh, Sterling describing his youngest adventure with this woman. Okay. Kind of like the opening of um, The Last Crusade. I've never seen The Last Crusade. Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade? That's the only one I hadn't got to. Oh, that one's my favorite. Sterling <laughs> opening. <laughs> Hello, fair audience. Welcome to my presentation of sorts. But first, let me introduce myself to the two of you who don't know who I am. I am Sterling Rabino. Ace Adventurer Extraordinaire. Now, I know all of you be probable. Probably is. <laughs> Just probably. I know all of you have probable read my book, Sterling with the Sterling Silver Heart. How those people died. 
What a name. What a, what what a, a name t- for a book. <laughs> oh, no. None of you? Really? The How Those People Die part didn't intrigue any of you. Well, I guess that's why you're all here. Because nobody likes to read anymore. They just want to wait for the movie to come out. Or, I guess, the stage play. Regardless, I can't complain if people want to know the exciting tale of how I've come to be known as the A-Rod of Adventuring. And by that, I do mean I have a salsa recipe. Page 338, for those interested. That was a joke. It's that a good a, joke. I, I, you, I, you, I like that joke. You actually like the joke. It's a good joke. Yeah, it's interesting. I like this whole monologue so far. Really? It, like, I could genuinely see this being the opening to an like a, a play, like an actual physical play that is on the stage. Oh my god! This is a good monologue. This you, is good a good job. <laughs> this isn't the same episode where we complained about monologues suck all the no, time. No, monologues that solve the problem of the show suck. Ah, this is introducing problems. Yes, the, like a monologue to open the show, fine, dandy. Monologues that are like, here's my monologue to fix all the problems. <laughs> That's what's awful. Because that means the problem wasn't that big of a problem to begin with if it's solved by a monologue. <laughs> I feel that, I feel that. All right, for those interested, okay. Now, I do want to make a point with this story here. I won't tell you what the point is, though. I want you to make your own conclusions. Some might say this is a cheap ploy to make my story seem more meaningful than it actually is. But while my critics are likely right, I'd like to think that I'm a genius, and there's hidden meaning behind everything that I write and do. Overall, the legitimacy of this production is very shoddy, and I want you to figure out my life because I really can't be bothered. Beat. But in a respectful way. Now... We're going to start on the journey to find the mystical golden chandelier. Yeah, that was a great opening. Sydney, Sydney, shut it down. I'm writing this now. That was like... I'm the, writing the rest of this. I think that's this. like the best thing we've read on this podcast. Like that that felt like a genuinely good, funny opening to like an Indiana Jones spoof. Stop it. Stop I, it. I liked that a lot. Stop it. That no, was great. No, please. Why, <laughs> wait, why does it say after dead Daphne? <laughs> Well, the, the description, literally the description before the first line of dialogue is after dead Daphne. So we'll figure it out in the. <laughs> okay. So this, this obviously takes place later on in the show. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cause there aren't any scenes in this. This is just like random spots in the show. So after dead Daphne, Wendy. Um, Sterling, I don't think I want to find the golden chandelier. Young Sterling. Why is that? Wendy? Wendy. Well, my sister's dead, and I'm having a little trouble dealing with it. All right, well, that's a garbage line. It's absurdist. It's absurdist. That is not how people deal with grief. (laughs) Well, that's kind of the point of the joke, maybe, possibly. Young Sterling. Really? Adult Sterling. Yeah. You know, it might seem a little odd that I'm so confused by Wendy's emotions about her dead sister, but I'm pretty sure, even though I didn't think it actively, I knew that Daphne was kind of a cunt. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Sterling. Sterling. Why? Now, I mean that in a really nice way, and I don't think she deserved to die, but she didn't deserve to be mourned over, maybe. Well. So Sterling is a dick. Sterling. Oh, he's a full dick. He's okay, the so worst. He's basically like if Indiana Jones was a bro, essentially. 
Kind of. Well, just like a sociopath. Okay, so that, I, all right. So that all makes sense then. Um, maybe we should move on. Uh, Le Bonbon Inc. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I take it this is like another random scene that takes place in Le Bonbon Inc. Okay, so this needs a lot of setup. Okay, so there's okay. a running gag. Well, there would have been a yeah, running yeah. gag where, like, whenever Florence and Florent, Florent, yeah. Florent, are about to, like, get weird and, like, incestuous on each other, all of a sudden, like, the power, like, the lights on that particular part of the stage just go off. And he's like, and Stern's like, oh, what's happening there? I don't know. I must have be plucking out something traumatic. Don't worry, folks. There isn't a power outage. You see, I have these weird memory outages from this particular time. They all seem to happen whenever the Le Bonbon siblings show up. I'm sure nothing mentally scarring happened. I asked Wendy a while back but what they did, but all she said was, the ink in Le Bonbon Inc. does not stand for Incorporated, that's for sure. So I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to mean. I don't know. Increment? Le Bonbon Increment? Oh, Wendy, so senile in these later years. That actually, honestly, it is a good joke of like, when something traumatic happens, the lights go off. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe don't have it be incest, because that incest isn't particularly funny. And, like, I get I mean, it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's shock it's, humor. It's, There's yeah, a lot of shock humor. Um, yeah, oh, and there was definitely... That's, uh, my, that's my brand. There was definitely a, a time period where even professional works were doing jokes about that. Not it's kind of like gross-out humor. Exactly, way, exactly. Which I have never dabbled in. <laughs> never. But the idea of the joke of, like, he sees something, you know, scary and blocks it out, like... Uh, again, if he's supposed to be a parody of Indiana Jones, it could be like, you know, a snake slithers on and he's like, and the lights go out and he's like, huh, I don't remember what happened there. Mm -hmm. um, like, that's a good bit, I think. I don't know, because I feel like, <laughs> there. I feel like it works best with shock humor, even though shock humor is bad. Sure, like mine was it's a like, very, like, simple example. Mm -hmm. um, you're right, it works better with something shocking. Oh yeah, I don't burn know. Burn it. Burn it's, it. It's a, burn no, it's, it. It's a good bit. We burn would, it. We would definitely have to like think on it and work on it to make it so it's like it's shocking enough, but it's also something that like it is funny, but like the little bonbon siblings kissing isn't particularly funny, you know. Yeah. Um it would have to be shocking but still also like a oh, oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> we're workshopping. We're yeah, workshopping. We're workshopping this. this. Anyway, uh setting off young Sterling. What are we going to do, Wendy? Everyone wants to kill us. Wendy. But remember what Florence said? Uh, young Sterling. Would you like Le Bonbon, my little Le Bonbon? I hope I won't. I hope I won't in a couple of years of therapy. When? Oh, I hope I won't remember. No, the thing about the golden chandelier. Uh, young Sterling. That we should kill each other in cold blood? Then no one can have it? I like your way of thinking, Wendy. I'll get the rock. Wendy. No! We find the golden chandelier. We give it to them, then they won't try to kill us. Adult Sterling. Ah, youth. How selfless. How kind and stupid we were. If I was there back then, I would have devised a plan. We find the chandelier, we sell it, then we hire someone real nice to kill the Le Bonbons. If only I was ruthless I was now, as I was then. And that's the end. Out of all, everything we've read of yours, I think this has the most potential. Mm, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I yeah. was growing. What are What are your thoughts on this now after reading the couple of scenes you wrote? There's like I there I 
I kind of there are some good jokes. The the Daphne, the Daphne was a little bit of a a cunt. Was a little extra. Well, you're a little extra, so I am. You know, it's <laughs> for true tea, true tea. Right. But like, I don't know. I mean, it works technically in the way that like you're not supposed to like like Sterling. Yeah, you're supposed yeah. to be like, yeah, he's a mega asshole. Yeah. So. You know, I don't know. I'll leave it up to women. Women, <laughs> women, everyone, can we women please write in? Anyways, let's let's unmute Sydney. Sydney, you have to speak for all women. Sydney, type us a message. Type us a message. I do not love the use of the word cunt as a as a general rule. I don't know if I feel particularly offended, especially knowing that we're supposed to dislike Sterling to a certain extent. So, it's okay. Not my favorite, but fine. Exactly. That's kind of my opinion as well hooray we got the woman take <laughs> you have spoken for all women uh, no one is allowed yeah. to cancel me i have a woman who says it is fine just uh, kidding just kidding i'm joking i'm joking we do jokes here don't worry this whole thing's gonna get cut anyway. yeah <laughs> anywho moving past the that line um yeah, I think this is what you have the most potential with. I would love to see where this goes. Yeah. So let's go ahead and read the description, though. The story starts with Sterling stuck in a chair, with Wendy tied up behind him. Giorgio has captured them because of a Russian prophecy that states if he sacrifices both Sterling and Wendy, higher power will be achieved. Sterling and Wendy create a bond and decide if they don't get sacrificed, they'd work together to do something. <laughs> So what does that mean? What the fuck? What does that mean? I didn't even know what the plot was, so I put, they would work together to do something. Asterisk, 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 come back to this later. Come to back, we'll figure out I like out that what. in the description, like this is supposed to be an overview of the entire story. You're like, eh, I don't know. Um, they're going to do something together, right. I don't know. Uh, Wendy's little sister, Daphne, comes in and saves the day. Daphne tells Wendy not to follow Sterling for he is a dastardly suave boy and will only lead to trouble. That's pretty solid. So wait, is Wendy, is like Sterling pretending he's the main character, but Wendy is actually the main character? Well, well, keep reading. Okay. Keep reading. Okay. Um, they, <laughs> they attempt to leave when they are kidnapped again by Florence and Florence. They tell the two that if they murdered the two in cold blood, they will find their way to the golden chandelier. Daphne comes in again and saves the them again. And saves warns, the them. And warns Wendy again. I also like that Daphne just keeps showing up and is like, uh. <laughs> Gotta save these assholes. Uh, Wendy and Sterling agree to find the golden chandelier uh, to so that they can have people stop trying to kill them. When suddenly they're captured once again, uh, when they wake up, they're in the police station with Inspector Constantine and Leon the Fron. They explain that good doing and adventuring must be done by and only by a registered hero. How do you register to become a hero? You know. <laughs> That's definitely like Sterling being like, mm, I am a registered hero. No yeah. one else can yeah. I'm the only <laughs> do one what I do. I can only adventure. Nobody else is allowed to yeah. pillage. Uh, the two kids being unregistered must be sacrificed. <laughs> Daphne comes in to save the day again, but is shot by Inspector Constantine because she startled him. Without a deus ex machina in sight, they panic, uh, but a solution just falls into their laps when they arrive and cause trouble. Oh, my God. Wendy starts getting other feelings about the journey and wants to go back home. In the fight, they stumble on a clue to the golden chandelier, and they realize that the chandelier is in Detroit. On the plane, Sterling and Wendy are surprised to see that Gio Giorgio... The La Bonbons and the police are also on the plane. 
They realize that this time they are going to have to do something themselves to escape the criminals. This is where we meet Curtis and Charlotte. They are able to use the tourists to escape danger. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> whatever the danger is. What, yeah, whatever that is. They get to Detroit and bask in its splendor. They meet Linda. I'm so sorry to Detroit. I feel like... You called it a splendor. Well, I think are that's being, the joke. Are you being sassy that's with the, that? That's the joke is that. Ha ha, Detroit. Why would there ever be something good in Detroit? <coughs> Young you is so edgy that you're oh, literally he, coughing up how, how edgy it is. You know, for um, sure. God, yours and my scripts are always so different from each other. <laughs> it really is insane. I'm um, always, you know. Like, you and I were on such opposite ends of the spectrum. And I, I feel like in high school, we would have hated each other. We were on such opposite ends. Probably. I mean, like, I was like, I think I kept a lot of my edginess to myself. Oh, gotcha. Because I realized no one would like me if I was <laughs> outwardly edgy. So I was like, <laughs> this was like my, uh-huh, I'm going to sneak in some edgy humor to this so I can... I like it. <laughs> yeah, don't. Don't like it, please. Uh, they meet Linda, the hot dog seller. Uh, so entranced, they immediately never want to leave the city. After gawking, Linda mentions that she needs some hot dog sellers. They realize that they could make a new life for themselves by being hot dog sellers in Detroit. Uh, but come to their senses when they remember Daphne's sacrifice for them and how she would have wanted them to adventure. Inspector Constantine then comes around and shoots Linda dead. Linda's dead. Linda does. She's just selling hot dogs. I'm assuming probably she didn't have like, the right certification. Yeah. They encounter the artist Jules d'Avant and try to solve his test to get into the Temple of the Golden Chandelier. They succeed at the trial, dot, 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 whatever the trial is, uh, with Sterling dying, maybe? What? Uh, the end has every single possible twist that could ever happen. <laughs> what the fuck? Maybe. Who? That's what, that's, and that's the end of the description, is that every Why? single possible uh, twist could be a thing. Because oh, yeah, that's that, the opening. That, yeah, yeah, and that's, yeah. So that's where it ends. All right. So I think this has potential. This plot needs to completely be erased. Oh, come on. I think the idea of doing an Indiana Jones parody with an uh, Indiana Jones character who is really obsessed with himself is hilarious. Mm -hmm. But I think you this have to... convoluted, yeah. like... I think you would have to basically just take essentially the plot of, like, The Last Crusade, for example, of, like, we're going to go find the Holy Grail, but instead he's like, I'm going to go find the Holy Grail so I can be famous, <laughs> and, like... You know, and again, make Wendy the main character. Mm -hmm. um, she's the competent one while yeah. Sterling is just... And he he thinks he's the main character. And he's the one that actually is narrating the story. But really, it's Wendy who is the main character. And by the end of it, she essentially becomes Indiana Jones. Like, she mm -hmm. finds the grail, t puts it in a museum, like that type of stuff. Uh, but Sterling still is like, hey, hey, pat myself on the back. I, mm -hmm. I did this all. Um, and he, like... He's the one that becomes famous, despite Wendy being the one actually doing everything. Because then you got commentary on, like, you know. Everyone wants to thank the man. Exactly. Um, and then I think it's a lot funnier that way. It is a little bit of a, of a commentary on, like, hey, we all love, you know, uh, Indiana Jones. But, like, what about <laughs> anyone else? Mm -hmm. um, you know. So I think it, uh, this was got potential, and I think you now could make this a lot better. Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Teen U was definitely not ready for something this this big. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
It is interesting though. You uh, re reading through a lot of your scripts, you have a lot of like crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit fit. That's a I, that's I mean, thing. you know, I'll say I always swing. I don't <laughs> always hit the ball, but I always swing. But yeah, I think this could definitely benefit from modern Chris. Is it shit thick or is it the shit? Uh, and I would say, much like what you said about mine, it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, <laughs> yep, but that's that's it. I feel uh, like that's going to be like, <laughs> that's what we're going to say about every one of them. Yep, absolutely. But we're done now. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this wonderful podcast. Uh, we want to thank you guys for tuning in. If you're brand new to the podcast, welcome aboard. Welcome aboard this wild, crazy ride Hi, that welcome. we call Shit Fic. If you've been listening for the previous episodes, thank you so much for sticking with us. Uh, as each episode is very different from the previous, and it just gets wilder and wilder. Uh, we also want to thank Ryan Tucker. He's the one that did the wonderful music that you heard at the beginning of this podcast. You can follow Ryan at Music um, on Instagram. Um, he's also got a website, Right Tuck Music. You can follow him there. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe if you enjoyed this podcast. We'd um, also we'd also like to thank Samantha Lee, who is the newest member of the Ship Fic team. She is our marketer. She is our PR person. She is judge, jury, and executioner of marketing. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so thank you there. Uh, and Sydney. Thank you, thank you to Sydney. Sid uh, she with, she is God. With, yeah, without, she could kill us. Without her. With a finger. It's true. She could fire us at any moment. That's um, true. All she has to do is type, hey, you I guys, own 33% of this company, Sydney. We are not a company. 30. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that's, that's everyone. Uh, I want to thank Chris for being the best uh, and opening up his heart once again. Uh, <laughs> And I'm gonna thank myself because I do that every episode. Maybe I should thank you. I don't think so. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna thank you. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna thank him. <laughs> thank you to Michael Davis. He deals with a lot of shit. A lot of shit fic and also a lot of shit from me. Because I'm a goofball. I'm a boofball. A boofball and a goofball, I can't help it. But I wanna thank him. Also, I'm emotional all the time. That's also another thing. I'm the worst, okay? Can I just put that in there? I'll just put that in there. I'm an emotional wreck, and thank you, Michael, for dealing with thank that. You. Thank you so much. You can email uh, us at shipfickpodcast at gmail.com um, with any comments or ideas or things you want to hear. Anything like that, you can email us at shitfickpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to comment. Also, if you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to leave a comment um, about you know, any future episodes, what format you'd like. Because um, again, we've done this in several different formats. We've had a guest. We've read just my script. We've read just Chris's script. So we've, we've done a lot of different versions of this. Um, so let us know which one you liked the most. But yeah, I, I want to thank you guys. Because uh, I enjoy doing this, and the more people that listen, the longer I feel inclined to do it. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, have a wonderful rest of your day. Shit thick. <laughs>